<laughs> well, hang on, mate. The bit in Fight Club where Edward Norton explains that that's how its company works with recalls, you know you're supposed to not like the company for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're not meant to go, yay! <laughs> Sensible capitalism for a happier Britain. <laughs> People of the world and possibly of other planets, welcome to Bad Voltage Season 3, Episode 30. Uh, I'm joined here by my fair-skinned, wonderful... I don't know where this is going. Fair-skinned, fair-hair, wonderful faces. Now, nah, let's just skip all of that bullshit. I'm joined here with Jeremy and Stuart. How are you doing, <laughs> chaps? I, guess I, was trying to be, I was trying to be romantic, and it just didn't well, work out. Fair-skinned is probably me. Fine, no problem. Yep. <laughs> right, you know, the ginger hair sort of lends itself to this. I have questions. That I don't want <laughs> yeah. answers to. Now, the, the more I think about it, yeah. I don't have questions. I take that back. I have, I have concerns. I have more than questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair. I have concerns. <laughs> let's, just, let's just take a long step away from this whole conversation. Move on. Yes. So um, we are today um, going to just do a whole load of news because we haven't done this for a while, and we keep basically saying to each to, to ourselves, we should probably do some news at some point. <laughs> yeah. Because we go down the rabbit hole of a particular topic, and obviously we did Room One Hundred and One. By the way, what were the uh, you you ran the polls for the um for, I the, for did. the Room One Hundred and Ones, didn't you, Mister Language? We should we should probably share the I I have I I checked the results about three or four days ago and i was deeply discouraged so i'm hoping that things have changed <laughs> no, since they, i no, saw they them. have not so um so to clarify um should facebook go into room 101 as jeremy suggested 95 percent yes excellent <laughs> and i'm assuming the no was you bacon <laughs> 19 <laughs> I, I, people out of tw- out of every 20 voted yes <laughs> this is i mean it's pretty conclusive, isn't it? I mean, you asked this on Twitter, though, right? Oh, well, so, uh, I mean, I, I have to say this is um, pretty much a preaching to the converted question. The second question, should cats go into room 101, as Jono suggested? 72% yes. of people said, no, cats are cool. And then 11% of people said, yes, because I'm a monster. And another 11% <laughs> yeah, of people said, I like dogs instead. I like that you yeah, didn't the- make that a leading question whatsoever. Well, yeah, that, the, the way you phrased this, I would argue, may have influenced the results. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong, but there it is. Um, and so, someone followed up saying, um, kick the spoiled cat-hating tech hipster out of the podcast. How dare he prefer dogs? Um <laughs> And while I think this is unfair, and I usually wouldn't condone someone having a pop at one of the cast, um, he's 100% bang on right in literally every word of that comment. So, no complaints this from is, my this point is, of view. This, is, this, this whole situation is riddled with fake news, by the way. <laughs> this is like you going out and doing a a survey on healthy eating. It's like Stuart Langridge from the International Institute of Pies and Beer <laughs> yep. is, is doing a survey on <laughs> healthy food. Do you um, like horrible, disgusting salads that have got no pies in them? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, I, you do not want Mr. Langridge running your uh, your surveys. That's the moral of this particular story. All right. So, you bunch of heathens. Um, we should probably get into some news then. Jeremy, do you want to maybe start us off? Sure. So why don't we go into, we've, we've talked a couple times uh, about the GDPR on this show, and the BBC just had an article with the biggest finds so far, and I was slightly surprised at, at where they fell. So obviously, given the title, we were rolling on three years of the GDPR. The, the largest find still is the 211 million euros that was British Airways, which is an 
interesting thing because I don't think what happened with British Airways was really the spirit of what the GDPR was meant to to do. Um, it was really an attack by what seems like a motivated attacker. So it was just a more of a standard breach than some of the other um, things on the list. Marriott International Hotels is second at 110, very similar situation. Interesting that neither of the first two are, are tech companies, as it were, which seemed to be one of the initial targets. Then Google is third at 50 million euros. H&M, again, not a tech company, 35 million euros at four. And Amazon rolling up the top five with uh, 35 million euros. So I thought, thought it was interesting that three of the top five were in no way tech companies and, and don't solve some of the problems that I think the EU has with tech in general. Stuart, yeah. as, an, as the only one of us currently residing in the EU, curious what your response is here. If you have any thoughts on GDPR, if it's been effective, has it accomplished its goals, et cetera. Uh, so a couple of thoughts. First of all, um, uh, the article has since been updated. Um, uh, so Amazon shouldn't be in the list. Um, they were fined for similar sorts of things, but not actually under the GDPR. France have an EE privacy directive, and they were fined under that instead. Ah, so I, I read it at about 11 o'clock east last night. So yeah, 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 It's exactly. been updated they, they, very recently then. Yes, they have updated it today, in fact, <laughs> um, uh, which I uh, noticed. But yeah, so now, I mean, the, the list will say, but Google at the top with 50 million euros and British Airways are a bit further down and so on. But yeah. It is, to be honest with you, disappointing. When Google got fined um, in 2019, they were one of the earliest, and it was a pretty substantial fine. I mean, fine, not necessarily a substantial fine to Google, but the idea that here is a new thing coming in, and we're going to sting people for 50 million pounds, or 50 million euros. And um, they appealed and lost, which I was, yes, was and, setting precedent then because of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, and that see that looked good. It looked like there was going to be not only teeth but a willingness to enforce this law against people. And there has been some of that, but not all that much, to be honest with you. Um, there's and I don't think there's been a a serious sea change in the way people think now. Certainly in the discussions that I'm seeing with companies, the GDPR comes up a lot now, where it didn't before. People are aware that they have responsibilities under this, which they weren't before. And to that extent, it has moved the needle. People are now thinking, but what do we do about GDPR compliance? They're not doing it to say, we should act like this. They're like, oh, GDPR demands that we don't do this thing even though we want to. But they are at least listening. And that sort mm. of helps. I mean, this is, you know, what's supposed to happen. So it's getting in there. And to that extent, maybe it's worked. But equally, I saw someone um, mention on Twitter a couple of days ago um, that all the uh, primarily American news websites, which say, um, because of the GDPR, you're not allowed to see this page, but we're working hard on technology, which will allow you to see it. Maybe they're not actually working that hard. <laughs> Since they put those notices up three years ago and they haven't changed them since. I ran into one like <laughs> a week ago. I followed a link somewhere and it said, blur GDPR, so you can't see this. And I thought, what? It's been three years. I, yeah, I, so I feel like maybe you people are actually trying that hard to fix this. So I think the GDPR has inserted itself into the conversation in a way that it's now become routine for people to say, what are our GDPR requirements while we're building this project? They might do it with a roll of their eyes and a sigh, but they are doing it. Whether it's ch whether it's changing the way Google or Marriott International Hotels or B British Airways or Telecom Italia or H&M, whether any of these people are actually going to stop doing this thing rather than treat 35 million euros as the cost of doing business is another question. Right. Yeah. Right. That, I think yeah. when California got on board, more American tech companies started taking it seriously because it was, uh, you know, uh, domestic with the compliance C with as well. the CCPA. Yeah. 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 And I think that's um, the way it's got to work. the The EU have historically been um, much more willing to take a stand on this sort of thing, and much earlier than 
other governments, particularly American governments, have uh, have chosen to do so. Now, that may be a good thing, maybe a bad thing. We talked about it being potentially a bad thing in one of the in the last show, but it means that it can act as a trial balloon. So, so, so people trying to put together the CCPA, the California Privacy Law, for example, can look at the GDPR and say, "What did they do right? What did they do wrong?" Yeah, right. And they've got cover for saying, "Look, they did this, and the world didn't fall apart." You know, and I think the EU are kind of happy to be a trial balloon on this sort of thing. So, has the GDPR done what we were promised? Dunno. I think we will eternally be asking that question. Yeah, but I, but I don't I don't think it's been useless, um, or a waste of time or a boondoggle. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no uh, but we we have a difference of opinion here by the sound of things. I just think it's a funny bar when it's I don't think it's been useless. Uh that's yeah. <laughs> I, For how I, I profile would... it is, or was at least, not being yeah. useless is no, that's... not exactly a ringing endorsement. No, this is this, <laughs> this 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 is this is fair comment, but it's regulation. Yep. I can't th- I can't think of a single piece of regulation which has which you would point at and go, that's great. And it genuinely did make the world better in all possible ways. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I I don't care. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on. on. <laughs> I have a bit, of a, a bit of news to share. Go. Um, so we were talking about NFTs a little while ago. Um, these non-fungible tokens for people who didn't catch the episode and are not familiar with this. It's basically a way in which you can sell something unique online. Um, so years ago, back in 2007, one of the YouTube meme videos that became very Oh, this very, is the stupid video popular. about the kid. I yeah, saw this. It's called Ch- <laughs> yes. Charlie Bit My Finger. Yeah. Um, it got 900 million views. And it's basically two kids. Uh, one's a baby. The other one's a little bit older, maybe five years old. And um, this kid bites his finger um and uh, and that's it anyway the owners of this some family in the uk um decided to sell it as an nft and uh, i actually saw it when it just op- i read this news when it just kicked off and they had about ten thousand dollars worth of donation uh, of, of bids it was an auction and they ended up uh, selling it for $760,000, just under $761,000. And they're going to take it offline. So you'll own it and you'll have, this person will have the right to parody as well. And I wonder whether this is going to start becoming a bit of a thing. Because I don't know how much YouTube money you make from 900 million views. Someone must know this, right? Uh, there's probably a calculator online. Generally, how much you'll 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 make, but I'm guessing it's not necessarily seven hundred and sixty thousand uh, dollars. You, uh, you think? I mean, um, top, well, maybe top, I don't top know. YouTubers are millionaires. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, if you get a million views on a video, that's good. And if you've got nine hundred videos, all of which have got a million views, that's a that's good point. Good. So I wonder. I wonder I, whether the I've, amount of revenue goes down though. The more view, well, once you've hit a certain threshold. Um, I, 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 don't I, 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 don't do, I do not know. I mean, every now and again, you see people do a video saying, "This is how much money I made." And I mean, I'm sure you there can. There appears to be this huge yawning gulf in between people at the top who are millionaires and someone at the bottom going, "Look, I did this and I got this many views and I got one thousand two hundred and six dollars this year." And you're like, "Well, right. that's nice and everything, <laughs> but right. no, no one's get- well, which is why people do Patreon and merch and all. It's like being a band, right? Well, I, w- I wonder whether YouTubers will start, especially if, you know, someone puts one of these little video- these videos up and it becomes a, a viral hit. And then years later, when no- people stop searching, like people, no one-, no one talks about the Honey Badger anymore. But do you remember when everybody was talking about that video, wow. the Honey Badger? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, no, one's all- ta- no one's talked about like 50 feral hogs or whatever. But- <laughs> so it says <laughs> the is- average for a million views is somewhere between $2,000 and $5,000. Really? Per million. So nine, wow. so not so nine hundred times five thousand dollars is. Uh, Come on, maths boy. I don't. I, I don't be able to That's do this. That's not even. Right? A, I'm just going to let <laughs> you struggle. Nine hundred, so nine thousand, yeah. four thousand five hundred. That's four and a half million, is, right? Is yes. Is, is 
Is there yeah. a calculator on, on the Ubuntu desktop these days? For, uh, uh, for four and a half million dollars, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's so this begs more the question. Why the time... fuck did they sell this as an This seems like a because they already made the four and a half million dollars, and now it's not getting a bunch of new views. Well, that's, so they got the that's best. That's what of I was yeah. going to say. I wonder whether when things start trailing down, people then like you NFT mm, it. Yeah. NFT territory. This seems like a good time to insert a reminder that there is a bad voltage NFT sitting out there with one bid at a mere at today's price of Ethereum one hundred forty five dollars and seventy four cents substantially less so you you can own a piece of nft history yeah you totally it's can be get into it rarible.com slash bad voltage yeah anyway so I, I thought that was interesting <laughs> so, um, so this is cashing out at the end this is like turning the last bit of your pension into a lump sum or whatever right yeah it's the internet it's the inter- <laughs> it's, it's the it's the modern sex tape right it's uh let's just have a cash kind of infusion Okay, not the analogy I would have picked, but fine. Okay, um, we probably shouldn't go down this avenue. Yeah, but, uh, but, no, I mean that. What's weird about it is I don't even remember this supposedly super famous thing. Although maybe that's just I'm not very in touch because 900 million people have watched it. Right, but I, yeah, you know. I, I I remember it and being underwhelmed by you know, like check out this video it's hilarious it's like it's it's two kids doing shit that kids do all the time like, this is not <laughs> unique you well, know, it's not like the beatbox dog the beatbox dog is brilliant no 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 I, I i remember um someone like uh one of the late night hosts in america stephen colbert or someone like that um right at one point wanted to have grumpy cat on the show <laughs> and then they contacted the owners of Grumpy Cat, who went, yeah, well, um, obviously we've got to have five seats in first class on an airline and this bunch of money going to be popping all these hotels and everything. They were like, what, for a five-second joke? I don't think so. Get over yourself. Oh, but my God. It turns out clearly what you should do is, I was going to say sell pictures of the cat, but maybe you can sell the cat itself for $760,999. <laughs> They're trying to squeeze this miserable cat into an <laughs> external hard drive so they can sell it as an NFT. Well, as I understand it, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like sell someone an NFT of the thing and then destroy the original artwork, right, in order to make right. the NFT be the real thing. So, um, well, John, yeah. I'm sure you'd be on board with this. You'd take a picture of the cat, sell the picture of the cat as an NFT, and then drop the cat into a mincer. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to dwell on this cat thing, but mm. that cat being grumpy is not unique that's what all cats are <laughs> it's not even uncommon i'll be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> anyway i don't want to get angry again about cats uh mr langridge uh what have you got for us uh this one i thought was interesting because it's like uh it, it resembles john oh your complaint about peloton in the room 101 show where they keep changing the firmware and changing stuff rubbish. And so slow. tesla um, put out new firmware to um, their cars, and the older ones. It turned out that um, it made the new firmware made the batteries run out faster, and they took longer to recharge. So a bunch of people in Norway sued Tesla, and won to the point where Tesla didn't even bother showing up to defend themselves. I didn't hear about this. This is fascinating. Oh uh, well, this is why I'm mentioning it, right? It's it, yeah. it, it's in Norway. Apparently, there's a similar case going on in um, Denmark about this, and I thought it in was... California last year, I think. Ah, okay. No, I didn't. I didn't. So, see hang that. on. Can you explain what was the co- the complaint was about them reducing battery uh, battery well, life? Yeah, so what, this what is. They... I, I don't like that characterization because what they actually did is made the maximum voltage a little bit less because they had a couple problems with fires in the S. Okay. So they were limiting how much you could charge it at the very upper boundary, which in theory does mean the car will go less far, but it's not like they made the battery drain faster. Yeah, oh. but but from a customer experience, from, from the customer's point of view, right? Owners of Tesla Model S vehicles, quoting from the article here, owners of Tesla Model S vehicles purchased between 2013 and 2015 found that after they downloaded and installed the code in 2018, the electric batteries powering their cars ran out of juice faster than usual and took longer to recharge. So that is, from a customer's point of view, I bought a thing and then after I'd bought it and given you the money, you reached out from Tesla headquarters and made it crapper. Now, they may have had reasons for that, 
Yeah, it turns out if you bought something that's basically a piece of technology with four wheels, they learned a bunch of information about battery degradation in the five years since they shipped it, and they said, we're going to extend the life of your battery by making it charge slower, which reduces heat, which given battery dynamics makes a lot of sense, and we're going to limit the upper range of how far it will charge because they've literally been starting on fire. This seems like solid engineering principles it doesn't applied. Seem that, yeah, and see, it doesn't seem that like, controversial just, to me. No. That, and that seems like a perfectly reasonable argument for Tesla to have made in contest. And they didn't even show up. Like most other car manufacturers would have had to recall their cars and change out things and inconvenience you. Tesla sent you an over-the-air update and software and fixed it for you. Well, and maybe the reason why Tesla didn't show up is because, I mean, according to the article, which, by the way, should be noted is the register, which is <laughs> not a reliable source, okay? But it said that, they, um, that the total for all of the payouts that they made was $490,000. That's nothing. It's probably, like, it's probably just cheaper for them to just pay it. Them sending one lawyer would have cost them more than that. Yeah. I think that's probably why. I mean, the optics aren't great. They're not. The fact that they didn't show up. This is the thing. If if Tesla are going to say, well, this is back to the thing we said two minutes ago. They're going to say, well, having having to um, be found guilty in court of screwing customers over, but it's only half a million, so who cares? Yeah, the optics right. do not look great for doing this sort of thing. <laughs> well, the, uh, what I mean is the optics of them not showing up to the court. Like them, yeah. them deciding financially it's going to be cheaper to just, you know, these people are pissed off. Let's just give them some money and we'll make good on it. And then we'll just save everybody a bunch of heartache. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> well, hang on, mate. The bit in Fight Club where Edward Norton explains that that's how its company works with recalls, you know you're supposed to not like the company for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> my point is... You don't mean to my, go, my, yay! <laughs> sensible capitalism no, my for point, happier Britain. My, my, my point here is, I, I, is they, went, they went to court, they made a complaint, they 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 can consider their complaint reasonable. I think there's questions around that to Jeremy's point, but they won and they got paid for it. So it was good for the yeah. people who 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 went to court. Tesla didn't want to spend a whole load of extra money in fighting it. It's good for them. This seems like a good win. I mean, and I I I don't I to Jeremy's point. Look, it's this is the world we live in, right? If you go and buy a piece of technology that gets updates over the air, it's going to change. Like, where do you draw the line? I mean, could we arguably say, well, hang on a second, I got this update that added the ability to watch Netflix on my Tesla, and I'm unhappy the fact that they're not improving the drivability of the car, therefore I'm going to sue them? Like, like, where do you draw the line between like when, when, when your product changes? It's, it's like a unique problem that we've got that's n not happened in history, right? Because you, it is. I, I think what maybe is underappreciated, and Tesla's obviously not going to add this to their marketing, but you are legitimately buying a piece of technology that happens to drive on roads, not a traditional car in the way that you think about it. Yeah, and that comes with a whole bunch of positives, but it also comes with negatives because things are a trade-off. Um, I certainly agree that that's what Tesla want you to think. But I, I don't know. But I, I would dispute. It's the absolutely. Fact that, just look at their release, ch their change notes. I mean, it's yeah, they add, yeah. But the so flip side they of released that is a release on the three about a year ago that that made your car two tenths of a second faster. Which, if you're into cars and you're into sports cars, that's thousands of dollars normally and a ton of work. And they were just one day your car was just faster. Like that's yeah. unheard of in in automotive history. It's going to come with some bumps along the road. I agree with you, but that does not mean that because Tesla have have stated that yeah you're well they haven't stated but they're attempting to imply that you're buying a piece of technology and um reaching out and changing it after you bought it is a perfectly legitimate and reasonable thing to do and that's the way of the future just because they're saying that does not mean that it's been established that that's the case and court cases like this are exactly about the distinction between maybe this is going to be the future for everything we buy but it currently isn't you see, I I don't think that Tesla are saying that. I, I I think I disagree with both of you because I don't think Tesla in any. I don't think they are. No, I said they weren't. Oh right, okay. Because because I Tesla, when you go buy a Tesla, you buy a car. They call it a car. It's stated that it's a car, but in reality, it's basically an Android phone with a giant battery and wheels stuck to the bottom of it. Right? I mean, it's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I may be misrepresenting Tesla a little bit. Um, and I love Teslas. But um, yeah, it's it's changing. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go and buy those. And this kind of stuff is going to happen. And and like Jeremy said, it swings in, in two directions. Like your example about speeding the car up is a huge deal for a lot of people. Yeah, but I can definitely. also see why these people were pissed off when they, you know, when they're when they were having battery issues, I get why that would happen. Especially if your expectations is it's a car and it doesn't change after you've bought it, you know? So, yeah. 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 Fascinating. We're going to see more of this, which is going to oh, be interesting. Sure. I, yep, I, I think we're going to see lots more. As iot this gets wedged into everything we own. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, um, these like the, you know, the Keurig things and stuff like that. This is going to happen with everything. Yeah. Before we go on, th- what what do you think it's not going to happen to? Where is technology not going to impact? Like, I mean, I hate this answer, but nowhere. I, I, ca- I can't yeah. think of... The, the best thing I can come up with is consumable stuff. Like, I can't see how technology can affect an orange that I've already bought. Like toilet roll. Like... like- <laughs> fundamentally analog analog things like toilet roll condoms oranges vegetables no one's i I don't think we'll see a new orange anytime soon from a technology perspective no i no that's the thing i I, I, I can't i can't see um because the whole point of this kind of thing is um to open up things like new revenue streams you don't keep consumable stuff around for long enough but the box you get technological version of toilet paper be a bidet yeah, or uh, actually, no, probably the technological version of toilet paper will be toilet paper just with scrolling adverts on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Google wants us to get us with that well, whole... Well, uh... specifically, adverts for companies you don't like. That's actually a really great idea. Yeah, I know. You... Probably exists. This is a, this is a startup. It, there's got to be a way in which you can... Oh, can you imagine if... This is this is an idea for the future, right? Can you imagine if you gave toilet paper away for free to people, right? And then companies will pay the toilets. P- companies will pay will pay you know language paper money to go and print their ads of the people they don't like on them, which pays for the cost of the rolls to be then distributed to people. If you can come up with a way of making. Um uh, foldable, crumpleable, feels like paper, electronic paper, which you can talk to over the air, uh, which is so cheap that people can literally afford to wipe their ass on it and throw it away. You have entirely revolutionised the universe. If you if mean, you do that, I don't, don't mean do electronic paper roll. Don't do bog roll first. Right? I don't mean do electronic paper. First. I mean like manual. I, I mean like he wants the remarkable three version of toilet paper. I mean, you're saying. With, with, well, just like ima- right. So I'm. Let's say, for the sake of argument, right. Just an example. Let's say language paper has got an offering, and I can pay you a thousand dollars, right? And you will print a roll of toilet paper with cats' faces on, right? Right. Then what happens is fifty <laughs> of these rolls are made available. Jeremy's just too cheap, so he actually ends up getting a, a roll of this, and then he's, you know, he goes, he has a b- big lunch, and then he's looking at these cats. So I have I just like go- I have thing. just Googled the words custom toilet roll, and I don't want to disappoint you here, was entrepreneur, in the but you are <laughs> not the first person to think of this idea. <laughs> yeah, but giving the rolls away for free is the key thing. Anyway. God, this is like Y Combinator. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's so many dumb companies around. It's only a matter of time before. Wow, print, printed TP powered by Shopify is the first hit. So, well, yeah. uh, so here's the thing. Like, this is a complete divergence away from the uh, the subject. But I, I got interviewed by a guy a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, one of the things he asked was, "Are there any regrets you have for your career?" And I said, "Well, it's mm. not really a regret, but it's something that I've thought about quite a bit. It's when I was just starting to get into, you know, um." I was uh, going through university and then came out of university and just starting to become a tech person. The very beginning of my career is when the dot-com boom was going on, 98 or so. And at the time, I was sort of vaguely aware it was going on, but I was concerned with things like how 
we were just we were just at university and just renting a flat and I just got married and <laughs> so on. Yeah. So, you know, and um attempting to be a graduate trainee COBOL programmer for Norwich Union and going backwards and forwards to work on a moped every day in the rain. And I wasn't really thinking about the dot com boom. But yeah. one of the things I've thought about since is I don't know whether you could honestly just rock up with some ridiculous idea like custom printable toilet roll and make four hundred million dollars <laughs> like pets.com. Back then? Sh- yeah. Well, well let's just look well, at webvan and pets.com. And- well, no, no, no. You see, yeah, this is the thing. You can name things like pets.com and so on. But so there are two two thoughts in there about that. The first one is I don't know if that works if you're in Norwich in England rather than in San Francisco. Probably. That's um, a good point. But secondly, I don't know. It's the sort of thing where people will sneeringly go, yeah, if you literally had any idea, then it's fine. But I think a lot of it might have been because someone's brother knew a VC or something like that. I don't know if you could literally just have no idea, have no contacts and just rock up in town with a pitch deck. Probably not. And, and get the money. And so I don't know whether it's a regret. Because the second thought is then, why am I not doing it now? You know, but this is we are we, in we should talk days. about in a yeah. show. I'm I'm bring, I, I bring this up because Jono, you've probably thought about it. Jeremy was probably running a fucking sneaker store or something in this town and taking it public at the same time. There is some story like that in the past, if I remember right, <laughs> Jeremy. But um, <laughs> we should talk about in in an episode sometime about companies in different parts of the world right because you've got all these tech hubs that are forming in london berlin paris um and then you know not just silicon valley like places like boston and new york and whatever else and i'd be interested to talk about like you always hear about the silicon valley big success stories but what about these other companies around like is it are you at a disadvantage if you're in boston for example or in birmingham or london or whatever that'd be an interesting thing to first to dig into Write, um, write it down in the planning deck. I'm, I'm putting it into it, the planning deck. It, it, it will be interesting. I mean, one of the nice things there is, Jeremy, you've presumably got um, a good sense of the distinction between New York City and Boston, Silicon right? Silicon Alley, as it's called, yeah. Right. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because um, I haven't really got that because – yeah, there's there's a fairly big distinction between Birmingham and London, but then there's a big right. distinction between London and San Francisco. But New York is yeah. the other big place. As so. far as tech goes, I, I think you were at a substantial disadvantage. If you weren't in the Bay Area up until recently, I think that's definitely in the last few years changed. And I think yeah. the pandemic has accelerated it changing. You look at oh, really? Miami is huh? now like the new VC hub where everyone wants to go to it. Yeah, Austin. I there's totally a bunch of people moving there. It's. I think it's changed, but there's still a density of people in the Bay Area that just having that density creates a kind of activity that's difficult to replicate. But it's changing. That's yeah. yeah I, I don't know very much about this, but that's really interesting. So yeah, yeah. I put it in the doc. We will talk about it in the future. So What's next. Speaking of things people probably regret, did you see that Internet Explorer 11 is going to be retired on June 15th of 2022? I did. Yeah. I honestly didn't realize it was still a thing. So here, though, <laughs> is the greatest part about the announcement. Uh, by moving to Microsoft Edge, you get everything described above. Plus, you'll be able to extend the life of your legacy websites and apps well beyond Internet Explorer 11 desktop application retirement using IE mode. Internet Explorer yeah. mode and Microsoft Edge will be supported through at least 2029. And what blows my mind here is I don't know if I could think of a more stark difference between Google and Microsoft, where Google's int- like. What was the last one? Google Cloud Print. It was like, I know you've been using this for years. Find a new replacement in the next month. Microsoft announces it's canceling IE11 in 2022 with an extended support option through at least 2029. Yeah. but Take take a lesson from this. It's it's, it's incredible. There there is a reason that they've still got 90% of the desktops in the world. Because they care about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, and every time, so uh, remember when they um, bumped the support date on Windows XP, and everyone was like, "Why are you still running Windows XP?" And loads of companies like, "Yeah, yeah, dude, we still totally are. Should we be thinking about upgrading now?" <laughs> and, right. uh, and realistically, if you've got something that requires IE11 today, 
right? You so you've you've gone ten years and haven't put in any effort to modernize it, and yeah. you haven't bought a replacement for it. If you're still running it today, then you still need it. And no one's going to invest the huge amount of effort it's going to take to fix something like that because it's probably not something that you built in the first place. But, yeah. So you're stuck with it forever. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people who are running something like XP or running Internet Explorer for very specific reasons, right? Like they need some internal app to work like some time tracking software or something like that yeah and uh, they've just decided i will never upgrade this thing again no i'm gonna because check I'm worried this that if I box it. and i'll see you in 2030 yeah, yeah, yeah. Just everything will break you know you know what um, ie mode is right them embedding the old code in edge i would guess yeah yeah it's basically an entire which means someone's role at microsoft edge. multiple someone's roles at microsoft is maintain ie 11's engine for a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, so, someone's going to be there porting um, Trident to uh, Windows 22 <laughs> or yeah. something. What a, what a, I, I would love to interview someone like that. Someone who's got to maintain these like ancient legacy systems. Um, I mean, it'd be, but, it'd be a but, fascinating job to hear about, you know? I mean, I said five minutes ago, I came out of university and became a COBOL programmer. Yeah. And what I was doing was working on stuff which had been written 30 years previously because it worked. Changing it would be a catastrophic amount of effort. I mean, I was doing Y2K stuff when I first went to Norwich Union. Um you know, going through stuff that said pick nine nine and changing it to pick nine 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 nine, so you had four digit years. Um, not the most. This deep. certainly this certainly explains a lot of your anger management problems. <laughs> not the most exciting job I've ever had in my entire life. It's better than the Nutridol one. Um, but I'm glad it happened because otherwise you'd have just been this very calm, calm, measured, easy, easy, easy individual. Going, yeah, yeah. But instead, the angry, raging bastard that you've become. <laughs> I think is, we all love that angry, raging you, bastard. You see, you see the words identification division one too many times, you just lose uh. it. Um, but I think that, that, that's the thing. Exactly, Jeremy, exactly like you say, you've got this thing which works, and you're just not going to touch it. Why would you touch no. it? It works. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially yeah. when especially when it's not like you can say, okay, I'd like a modern replacement for this, and have some right. company go, okay, we'll give you a thing which is which does everything that the existing one does. There'll be no trouble in migrating to it, and it gives you extra features. No, it'll be oh, that thing that you want you want to replace it with. We're going to lose half the features. It won't work. You'll have to pay us loads more to migrate, and we're going to charge you a monthly fee for it. And I think this right. is a thing that's very easy for folks like us who are even if we don't live in the Bay Area, very steeped in the tech scene. Like yeah. Every stack we see is, oh, I can't believe you're on a version of Node that's six months old. That's bonkers. <laughs> or like, there's an insurance company in Topeka, Kansas, legitimately that cares about IE 11 being supported to 2030. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like our entire intranet's based on it. And the intranet right. is important because the expenses system is built into the intranet. Exactly. And we can't replace the expenses system because the company who we bought it from went bust in 2004. So, what are we going to do? So, I, I do have another Google one. Did you also see that AMP pages no longer get preferential treatment in Google search? I did. They don't? We have talked Wait. about AMP at length in the past. Yeah, it says, uh, Google is rolling out a significant change as part of their page experience ranking algorithm that will roll out in June of 2021. Uh, from the release of the core web vitals and the page experience algorithm, there is no longer any preferential treatment for accelerated mobile pages in Google search results, top story carousels, or Google news. Google will even remove the AMP badge icon from all search results. We have one. I did not like AMP, I will say. I... See, the thing which disappoints me about it is that the technology, pretty much okay. Um, The idea of saying, uh, we would like you to essentially create a second version of web pages with all of your crap stripped out so the Googlebot can read it, um, is similar in concept to having an RSS feed with all of your stories in it. Right, yeah. it's it, it's That's a way fair. it's a way that it's machine readable that people can automatically detect and so on. That seems fine, but then um, Google then went, okay, if you don't do this, um, we'll 
we will de facto mark you down in search by marking everyone who does do it up. Right. And it stopped being, hey, here is an interesting technological thing and started becoming a way of Google strong arming people into doing stuff. And everybody hated the fact that they had to do it. Yep. Yep. Did you did you see yep. that they also added the follow feature to Chrome, which is just subscribing to RSS feeds? It's just subscribing to RSS feeds. I, I have decided <laughs> I don't I, know what's going on. Um, well no, you see, here's the thing. My instinctive reaction, John, I don't know if you saw this. No. Um, so you can follow a web. Uh, um, Google are going to detect when a website is followable and give you the option to follow it, at which point news stories and stuff, and that will show up in Chrome. It's an RSS reader built into Chrome, just like Firefox used to have 15 years ago where you got the yep. little RSS icon in the, in the bar. Yep. It's just that. I forgot about that. I have decided on balance. My instinctive reaction was just to be snarky about this. But I've decided that instead of going, Google, you've got no idea. This is just RSS. Why don't you get it? I'm going to go, nah, let's get on board with this. Because they haven't invented a new weird thing. They haven't made it Google specific. Um, They haven't made it so you're tied into it. This is Google supporting RSS. The open web. Open standard, which everyone can have on the open web. And putting it in Chrome and putting it up front in Chrome will massively accentuate the number of people who want to do this, which makes it better for everybody. And the only reason to take the piss is because they're presenting it like it's a new thing when we all know it's 15 years old. It's just like Google Reader, but different. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes perfect. I think it makes perfect sense because the concept of RSS, you've got to kind of, you've got to be kind of technical to understand that as a concept. And, but the follow button is well understood in the current culture of using tech. And who cares? Like, if what I don't get is who the fuck's going to use this? Like, people just, that's not how people consume information anymore. I think people are starting to consume information in more old school ways. You look at the reemergence of newsletters. I think people's patterns are starting to change a little bit. That sounds like another interesting show type topic. It, it, it does, especially if your stipulation is people don't consume news this way anymore, which uh, means you're suggesting that the way people consume news is from their Facebook feed and no other way. For a certain demographic of people, person, no, I would say well, that's I'm correct. not necessarily talking about just about news. What I'm talking about is like. Um, you know, as we use the web and we're just bouncing around like people's blogs and various websites, I just think the concept of subscribing to something at a website is less com- It's certainly less common than it used to be, but we do subscribe on social media. Um, and I some think people will obviously disagree with you. Well, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm talking I, about I the general public. I'm talking about the general public. I'm not talking about technical people, right? And and you could argue, of course, there's medium, right? Some people are, are, are following people on medium. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. What I'm saying is that I wouldn't say that the vast majority of people who are using the internet I, are going around subscribing I, to websites. I, I, I am short of stats on it. But um, if people were to change back to doing things that way, largely, that benefits the open web generally. But it also benefits Google. Because from Google's point of view, as long as you're doing stuff on the web, they're happy with it. Whereas Facebook, you have to come to Facebook to get their thing. If everyone stops using Facebook, Facebook go bust. Um, In order for Google to to stop being valuable, the web as a whole has to go away, which is why their big threat is things like Apple News and stuff like that, right? But from Google's point of view, if you go all over the web and subscribe to stuff, they're just as happy with you doing that as you coming to news.google.com or Twitter or whatever to get it. They don't care. As long as you're using the web, they're still in. So them what's, encouraging yeah. people to do this is good for Google, strategically. Yeah. What's 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 interesting about this is if we're talking about outside of the social media platforms, right? So, for example, I love Google News um, because as a general rule, it does show me news that I care about. Sometimes it will go down a path and I'll just say, I don't want to see anything about the Kardashians or whatever. But generally, it's okay. But we're kind of at this point in our culture where we know that there's a lot of fake news and biased news out there. So websites recommending news can be abused. Um, So maybe that will kind of usher in an era of 
people manually going and subscribing to things. But then my concern will be they'll only subscribe to the news stories that have the messages that they want to hear, right? It, yes, it, it, it creates bubbles. It doesn't it does. pop the but, bubble, it just changes the bubble. Yeah, but the it, flip yeah. side of that is I, I think, and this might be wishful thinking on my part, but I think people are starting to become suspicious of gatekeepers. People who say, well, we can mediate the experience on your behalf so you don't have to do all that stress of going out and finding this things. This sounds like we'll, a show. We'll provide you a curated experience. I think that did seem like a good thing. There's way too much stuff out there and I want someone to help choose it for me. But I think the first iteration of that bunch of companies did that because they were trying to provide a decent curated experience and then realized that there's no way of getting paid if you do that. And so increasingly now what you see is um, sponsored news and uh, ad takeovers and so on. And I think, and again, this might be wishful thinking from my point of view, but I think people are starting to think, it doesn't feel very authentic to have someone choose what I should see because they keep choosing stuff that pays their money rather than that means interesting for me. I think people think that when it challenges their perception of the world. Or tries to sell them something they're not interested in. Yeah. yeah. Put it yeah. in okay. the dark. But, but wow. yeah, this is a, this, we, this we, is, this is a good this show. This is fodder for new shows. <laughs> We're just coming up with loads of new ideas for shows. This is brilliant. We're actually <laughs> saving ourselves work. Um, <laughs> what, what you're yeah. listening to, people, here is a sort of a really, really long planning session. <laughs> just it is. To be a show. <laughs> little behind the scenes. Um, I, I have something I'd like to talk to you about briefly, which is not necessarily related to tech. Um, but have you both noticed the increased amount of news about UFOs recently? Yes. Have you seen this? Well, yeah. So there's reasons. So so what what so the back a <laughs> little bit of backstory for people who are not familiar with this. So for years people have been talking about UFOs, right? And um what was interesting is that with the with the advent of the cell phone camera, um, the amount of UFO reporting seemed to kind of take a bit of a dip right like people were often taking videos with their old camcorders and whatever else but there's always been a very passionate group of people who've been into ufos yes um but what's been interesting i think is in the last couple of years and especially in the last really the last couple of months um the i think it's the pentagon they used to have a um an office that was dedicated to what they call unidentified aerial phenomenon and they ended up shutting it down, and the guy who ran it um, ended up doing a whole bunch of research outside of that. And they restarted that program recently. Um, and there's been a number of people who work for the who who, who work in the military, um, and video has been unclassified and released uh, or declassified and released, um, which is showing some of these crafts that can that can just make aerial changes that we don't currently have access to that kind of technology at least that we're aware of um so this could be in the u.s it could be you know russian or chinese um drones or whatever else but um the in the senate intelligence committee is basically demanding um a hearing a report they're actually doing some research into it and i think it's going to be in the next couple of months that they have to go and report on this so this is becoming like more and more of a thing and essentially the government now is not denying this so for what, 50 years? This has all been denied. Like the, the government has never ever acknowledged that the, this is a thing. And now they're starting uh, to acknowledge that this is actually a thing. Uh, I just think it's interesting the uptick in this and the change in tone in in recent years, I think, uh, especially in the last six months, is, I think is notable. It's a bit more nuanced than that, in my opinion. So a couple of things <coughs> should be stated up front. The first one is, the, there's a bunch of talk about UFOs, by which you mean unidentified flying objects. No one thinks they're aliens, right? Nobody thinks this. Uh, no, 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 no one. Okay, no, no, nobody credible thinks this. Of course, people think there are aliens. Many people think they're aliens. All right, fine. No one credible thinks these are aliens, and 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 that's why this discussion is hard to have in public, because someone says the Pentagon admitted there are UFOs. Like, yeah, there was a thing. It was flying, and we didn't know what it was. 
That's what makes it a UFO. No one is yeah, saying it's aliens yeah. from the planet Zanussi, but literally every newspaper headline says, oh my God, aliens attack the following day, right? They are. Um, no, you're <laughs> misrepresenting. No, most news are not saying that. Most literally, news are saying- the only reason there has been all this talk about it is because you can say things like, wow, there's UFOs and the Pentagon are admitting it. No, I mean, and yeah, everyone you goes, are, oh, is it aliens? Being- no. <laughs> You are being (laughs) uncharacteristically um, sensational about this. (laughs) Um, I mean, there are some people who are doing that, nutcases, right? But uh, I think most of the news reporting that I've seen, at least on credible sites, has been, hey, this is kind of interesting that... The the, the Pentagon's acknowledging that there is some some weird craft that are uh, appearing in protected airspace and that we need to figure out what it is. I yeah, um certainly historically the attitude to this to uh, talking about this sort of thing from the Pentagon has been we don't comment on stuff like this shove off no discussions about it we're not interested um, yeah exactly and you, uh, but and you do get the impression that was just you know this policy is a lot easier for us to just go we just don't talk about this sort of thing go away uh, um, if your comment is uh, always no comment you never have to comment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are, are, from back in the 50s and so on, there are, um, since the classified reports from high-up government officials who were like, are aliens real? Um, Are these really spacecraft from another planet? We would very much like to know if they are. And not just saying they don't have any evidence one way or the other, but bemoaning the lack of such evidence, right? So Mm. all the Area 51 nutcases... Um, have glossed over the fact that they really, they did really want it to be the truth. They were like, maybe we can genuinely get like alien space technology and ray guns and what have you. This would be great. But that was in the fifties. <laughs> I mean, right. si- since then, seventy years on, yeah. They've if you spend um your entire career flying around in the sky, I'm assuming you're going to see a couple of things you didn't know what they were. And yeah, some of them seem to have change direction quickly or whatever but i think what's interesting here is mostly the pentagon of to say yeah we actually have reports on this and everyone went yeah well we knew that you had them right you must have right. had yeah having the reports is not the complicated bit yeah, <laughs> right. and, yeah. and admitting that you have the reports is not somehow giving credibility to the idea that martians came to attack the u.s air force what what i think is especially interesting about this is and putting all the alien stuff to one side yeah. is is if something appears in a country's airspace that um that that that's a problem right um if 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 an unapproved craft appears in a country's airspace that's that's an issue because it could be a threat what i think is makes it even more concerning is when the thing that is moving can make like change like the, the, the can change its direction at breakneck speeds so what i thought was really interesting is that 60 minutes you know a, a pretty respectable program f- did a feature on this recently uh, and it's actually well worth watching and there were these um two people who work who work for the u.s army this woman and this guy and and they were out flying and they saw this thing and if i remember correctly they said that this thing moved the speed that it moved it it was like it it basically moves something like fifty sixty thousand feet in a second, right, and there just isn't anything that they were like, we know this is not something that we have technology for, right, so if there is another country, you know um a potentially hostile country, whether it's China or Russia or whatever, that has that kind of technology and it's in your airspace, putting the aliens thing to one side. That's an issue. <laughs> That's something you should look into. Now, whether it is little green men kind of coming to the to, to Earth is a whole separate question. <laughs> but putting that to one side, no, like you, no, you've got to look into but it. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> right. It sounds like you are uh, skeptical of aliens, <laughs> just Mr. Language. Um, but I, I think do you, do you, I'm, I'm just genuinely surprised by that. I am as well. Why are you skeptical? Because there haven't been any. But your intention is in a space that is likely infinite, at least to the human mind, that the only sentient form of life ever to be 
Ah, whether I I believe there is life elsewhere is an entirely different question to whether I believe it has come here and shown itself itself only to drunk people late at night. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fair distinction. I thought you meant Um, the the former, not the latter. Arthur C. Clarke used to talk about um, what he called shy phenomena, Um, things which... um, uh, there were lots and lots of stories about, but were curiously reluctant to appear on film. <laughs> and right. jo- Jono, um, your point about how uh, everyone on Earth—well, sorry, everyone in a, about half of Earth—now has a camera in their pocket um, is, to my mind, one of the best examples of why Bigfoot isn't real. Because mm. for for every one person who happened to go up into the woods in 1972 with a Super 8 camera in order to film <laughs> Bigfoot, now literally everyone in the woods has a camera in their pocket and there aren't hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Sasquatch sightings, right? Yeah. And, and aliens are the same thing. The advantage with this stuff is that if you are in a f14 or something and a mysterious thingy appears in front of you it's not like you got you're reliant on the pilot going i saw this thing and it was blue and it went really fast it's being tracked by a million kajillion different radar thingies and what have you right so they should have a whole bunch of data and this is what um this chap elizondo who according to the washington post article ran the secret in the basement group in the Pentagon who investigated this stuff. It's not at all clear to me whether this guy actually did do this or what. No, he did. From, for, to, as far as I'm aware, he did. I think he was the guy who was interviewed on 60 Minutes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. And, I'm not 100% and, certain. On that. Yeah, and the, this guy, Reed said that this guy, Elizondo, is the one who ran this. But whatever, right? If he's doing it, one of the things he said was, we've got um, uh, military data collection capabilities. Point of this stuff. This is the thing, right? Um, These things are being filmed on military cameras, and they're being seen by military radar and so on. So they ought to be able to quantify how fast did this thing move? Was it really there? What might have caused it? You know, in a way much better than... Some blokes shaky cam camcorder thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that it is the military, I think, makes it a lot more compelling and a lot more objective. Like you say, they've got cameras mounted to those aeroplanes that can. I mean, one of the things they said as well was that when this thing, when they were filming it, right, because they've got the cameras on the planes and they can track the velocity of of another craft based upon it, right? It's basically got imi- this kind of like pretty comp- complex image detection and it was too quick it moved too quickly for the camera to track it that's pretty compelling uh, now again it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is a drone or whatever but the fact that something can move that quickly and the other thing that i thought was interesting is that a lot of these craft don't seem to have any um i forget the technical term like but you know and when you've got propulsion you'll see like the the trails that kind of come off the side of it that they didn't have any of that as well like there's no heat register. Well, that I mean, is it's kind of kind of spooky. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, from from my point of view, I feel like they must have been filming these things for years and years and years and years, and have collected tons and tons and tons of data. So I don't get why we don't know more about them. Well, and I wonder why this is. I, if, I'm, if, I'm if, not, if it's real, you know, this is the point. I, what, no, no, no. I'm I'm not. I believe I believe that the military are telling the truth in this in this particular case. What I don't know, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theory lunatic because I'm not, <laughs> but I I don't know why they're starting to share this information now. It seems like there's been a lot of this, a lot of this kind of coming out over the course of the next three or four weeks, uh, over the last three or four weeks, and I wonder why now. Like why? I, I think they've probably got hundreds and hundreds of these reports from pilots and whatever else that are sitting inside. But why now? Why is it why is it public news that the Senate Intelligence Committee is requi- requesting a, a report? Like, um, now, I, I agree with you, but I feel like I ought to point out, when you said you don't want to sound like a conspiracy theory lunatic, you do, in fact, sound quite like a conspiracy theory lunatic. Well, by asking that, uh, you think by asking that question, that's... A lot of times what happens with things like this is one credible piece of information either got foiled or 
declassified for whatever reason and became the right. base of something where it's no and longer it plausibly deniable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think asking the question makes me a conspiracy theory. I, I think me saying there's a giant government conspiracy to keep the uh, people in the dark makes me sound like a conspiracy, uh, and I don't uh, believe ask, that. Ask, <laughs> asking the question, why now? I can't think why. Uh, the, the The obvious answer to that is now's when some a journalist found out about it or something. If there's any other answer to that question, it sort of implies... Are they trying to distract us from something or whatever? No, I, which does sound like conspiracy. No, stuff. I'm asking that question. And it may be like the answer may be to Jeremy's point. Let's say something got declassified or something got leaked by a whistleblower and then it's become a thing. I'm perfectly happy to buy that. I just want to want I, I just want to know what happened. And I don't know what happened to generate this. There's a lot of news about this right now. So so reeling it in, as I know we're going a little bit long here, was there any other must-cover news on either of your I don't agendas? think so. We didn't talk about Amazon and MGM or Freenode or no, you know, no, NVIDIA no, no, capping well, crypto cards. We have like, to do more news next on. time. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, Fuchsia's in the wild. Fuchsia. Yep. <laughs> it's, there's loads of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. But we, we've now got enough shows. We, well, we've got a bunch more news and we've now got at least two more ideas for shows. Yeah, plus it's been a very productive episode. Um, <laughs> this is great. We we, we queued up now until July or something. And on that bombshell, I think that wraps up the show. Does it not, Mister Langridge? It, it does. I mean, seriously, there's tons more news, and I can't have a go at John about it the. It turns guy. out when we don't talk about news for a while, there's a lot of interesting news. Yeah, I know. You see, and I wanted to have a pop at John about the guy who did a Zoom meeting while he was driving and everything, but we don't get the chance. So we do have a unique opportunity here, listeners, in that Jono's audio has stopped, so he can hear Stuart and I talking, and is currently reacting to Stuart and I talking, but he cannot interject anything. So. Um, it's a little funny, but we'll, we'll, we'll be nice and not take advantage of this. Uh, thanks again to Marius for, for mixing this show and others. Yes, go to nerdzoom.media. And on that Baconio bombshell, thanks for listening. <laughs>